welcome to the Catholic Cafe, where Catholic truth is served fresh daily. We've made you a reservation in the luxurious corner booth, so come on in and see what's on the menu today. Now, here's your host, Deacon Jeff Drzezemski. Greetings and welcome to the Catholic Cafe. I'm Deacon Jeff, sitting in the luxurious corner booth of the Catholic Cafe. Uh, sitting here with Ziggy Rodriguez. That's me. And we have Sister Scholastica. She's back with us again. We're so happy to have you, Sister. I'm happy to be back. Sister Scholastica <laughs> is one of the Benedictines of Mary, uh, Queen of Apostles. And it's such an honor and a, just it's a wonderful thing that it was so cool that, you know, certainly the Sister Wilhelmina News, right, of, of recent, uh, just our very recent past, you know, has brought a lot of attention here. So much so that we wanted to, like, pluck our little Catholic Cafe radio booth up and we came all the way to Gower, Missouri to be with you sisters. And uh, like uh, as St. Benedict would, would have you do, you welcomed us as Christ. And that's so beautiful. And thank you. <laughs> thank you for following that particular rule. But we're so uh, blessed to be here. Uh, and, you know, and we've been doing some sort of historical stuff, talking about Sister Wilhelmina, where she came from, and, and certainly what she was like. We had some of the sisters telling us that. Uh, and then now I think we want to talk about really this this order, the Benedictines of Mary, Queen of Apostles, and and like where where it started. She was the foundress. Yes. And just really what is the motivation that's kind of behind behind this order? Because it's a relatively, in, you know, in, in church years, <laughs> right? It's in its infancy. It's true. It's true. And you look at that in the context of Sister Wilhelmina's own life. She lived a very long time. Yeah. And I think something that people are realizing as they're learning more and more about her life is that having lived such a long life, everybody can plug into some aspect of her life, having seen all the changes that she did both in the church, in the country, in the world. Everyone can relate to some point or other of her life. And I think the most beautiful thing is that she experienced all this and she came out of it still being holy yeah. so in other words there's no excuse you know you can use this revolution or that revolution to kind of um, equalize or neutralize your efforts at holiness and it's no excuse at all because right. you look at sister Wilmina and that's exactly the time period and all the trials that she plowed through and still found Christ right now she because she was you know she was brought up in in that really in the era of civil rights yes. and all of the issues that were going on in our nation at the time and she was part of the we'll call it the black Catholic Church, yes. you know, and she was very faithful and came from a beautiful family, and but she, I guess, she felt drawn to be part of the civil rights movement in a way. Yes, yes, very much so. In fact, she even attended the memorial service of Martin Luther King Jr. Really? and met Coretta Scott King, and apparently another sister who was with her attending the service said that Coretta Scott King was very impressed by Sister Wilhelmina. I wish we could find a picture of that, oh, that, that meeting. I am still. I, I took a look for it. I wasn't successful. If anyone out there has a picture of Sister Wilhelmina with Coretta Scott King, that would be lovely. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so she really looked up to Martin Luther King Jr. And I think so many of her sisters in the Albright Sisters of Providence did as well. And he was addressing a need at the time. There was definitely a need for racial equality uh, and, and uh, more Christian charity regardless of race and I think it's something we're still struggling with to this day uh, but nevertheless I think particularly during the final years of her college which was 
Her college years were spread out over many years because like many sisters in the 1940s, 50s, and 60s, the sisters were left to complete their education over their summer breaks. Mm. So it could take 10 to 20 years to complete your college degree wow. because they were, they were doing it in their off time. Wow. So by the time she wrote her dissertation, she chose as the subject the tragedy of Christianity, and she delved right into the racial question. Wow, she that's She wasn't impressive. afraid to deal with it. But I think her conclusion was perhaps the most remarkable because she didn't really address the strain between races as much as the solution. She was very much enthused by Martin Luther King, but... As time wore on, she realized this movement is not going to last if we simply base it on the natural structure of things because we live in a fallen world. Living in a fallen world, we can't count on ourselves. We have to rely on God's I grace. I would imagine that like now in hindsight, you can look at that and say, like, well, it's just a touch prophetic here. Yes. Right? In terms of like what what solutions and obviously i don't know that she got called by any presidents or anything no. sister wilhelmina come up here and just tell us what we need to do right? right but somehow she kind of knew that like the solutions that were happening uh especially in our secular world you know, with the government and and with this inequality and all the strife and the stress that was in the nation that that wasn't that wasn't either going to work it certainly wasn't working at the time Yes. And I think we can safely say it kind it still of isn't is still working. not working. Right. And I think also we get in this mindset of, oh, if we can just change the laws, everything right. will be fine. And that's not true because the laws of the state are actually reflecting the laws of God. And that was more or less her conclusion in her dissertation in that, you know, we've got all this movement. We've got this enthusiasm. We've got an attempt at brotherhood here. But the glue of brotherhood is Christ. Mm. It's Christ coming to earth, God coming to earth as man to draw us together in unity. And you take Christ out of that picture, you're going to be floundering. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's, it's kind of a difficult thing because it's not only race-related. This is every, every human being alive now. We're all going to face divisions in our lives, whether it's race whether it's religion, whether it's in the context of a family, right. we're going to have divisions. And unless you can overcome yourself and your self-will mm. and submit to God, it's going to keep going. And Ooh. I think this is really the essence of conversion here. You have to face up to God at one point or another. And so that was her, her conclusion is that, okay, we can keep pushing, we can keep trying these things, but in the meantime, is the gospel still being preached? Not really. Yeah. <laughs> so take up the gospel and we'll fix, we'll fix the problem because Christ coming to earth is what's going to save us, not only our souls, but also, as so many people want to, make the world a better place. That's what it's going to do. And that's why, that's, again, that's why Christ came, not only to grant our salvation, but also to save us from our own misery because we right. make ourselves miserable and we inflict that misery on others when we are um I don't know, kind of if, if we're attacking each other yeah. we're basically inflicting our own self-misery on other people so I, th I think it's very interesting that we can uh 
you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. We can look back and we can see things and go like, that's pretty clear to us now. And I think with Sister Wilhelmina, you know, what, what her views and understanding of what was going on with uh, society at large in terms of the divisions and what would heal um, all of these different things, and it's, it's really giving yourself over to Christ and, and living by the law of God. And, but there was also, there's also been, obviously, strife in the church, and there's been division in our own Catholic church. And interestingly, this, there's, you can draw a parallel yes. to what she was thinking there and then what she's thinking here, like with liturgy and, and uh, reverence and sacredness and, and, the, and the beautiful um, expression of our faith. Yes, and I think you can see this with the calling of the Second Vatican Council, that there was, very much like the civil rights movement, a lot of enthusiasm. Uh, a lot of hope for the church, a lot of uh, ideas about engaging the church in the new evangelization, which one priest took care to point out that evangelization means you're hearing the gospel for the first time because catechesis is for people who have heard it already. So Mm. basically, Pope St. John Paul II was saying, we have to start over with the new evangelization. We have to preach the gospel again. And so I think that's what Sister Romina was doing, essentially. But in the changes that came after the Second Vatican Council, which I don't believe a lot of them were intended directly. Uh, in fact, I think I think evil forces were at work just trying to take down religious life mm-hmm. in general, even before the Council. We can certainly see like a great depletion, yes. right, all, across the board yes. in religious life. Yes. Right, and 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 uh, all the, th- but there was still like this enthusiastic momentum that that had kind of built up, and so people are chucking out statues and they're moving tabernacles and they're doing these things, even though you know when you look at the document, it's it's, it's not called for. Right. And it, they were getting rid of chant, and they were, but but the documents actually, you know, Gregorian place, right, yeah. pride of place to Gregorian chant, you know, yes, and, and Latin and, should be retained, and 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 honestly, we look at masses, Novus Ordo masses now, and we go, hmm. Yes. This is interesting. Not much Gregorian chant going on and right. not much Latin going on. And and in her time, a lot of faithful Catholics went along with it in a spirit of obedience. Their priests, their pastors would present this to them and they trusted their priests mm. immensely. And in a, in the church, that should be the, the case where we trust our priests, we trust our pastors. But in Sister Romina's case, she was in a community and being moved around amongst parochial schools. And she was more in the trenches seeing the effects that were being rolled out and not processing it all right away. She really didn't understand what was happening, as so many Catholics have. But she was taking it as it as it was presented to her. Exactly. And so the bewildering effect that I think a lot of Catholics experienced, especially in the nineteen seventies when priests and religious were leaving their, their state. Uh, was something that she was swept into as well. She did have some slight bewilderment there as saying, what's happening here? Dr. Ellis von Hildebrand said it's almost as if a tornado hit the church. Right. And everyone was looking at it saying, what happened? <laughs> so I think she was, she was amongst them. Um, but, but again, being in the trenches and seeing the effects on her students, that there was enthusiasm dwindling rather than building. Right. And so, and that's just she's she called it like she saw it, right? right. And so yes. she's experiencing this. And again, I love the idea that you're saying she's on the front lines because yes. she's there in the schools with the kids, right. which we all know that's the future, right? These are future parishioners, mm-hmm. and if they're like being coming disenchanted or disengaged, you you 
how did like like were they responding to like some of the new music that was kind of showing up? Because again, people are enthusiastic. Hey, so now we can start doing these these kinds of musical numbers, right? right? Instead yes. of some stuff that might appear to be more. I don't know, sacred, holy, lofty, uh, you know, beautiful, whatever. But there was like folk songs and there was, these things were invited in to that worship and she's seen the effect on those kids. Yes, that's right. So she was a ward instructor, instructor, which means that she was trained in Gregorian chant. And you look at Gregorian chant, it is, oh gracious, 14 centuries old. Right. Versus the the folk music that was being written and published very quickly. Yeah, and fourteen so when she, weeks old. <laughs> right, exactly. So she she began teaching the folk music and noticing that her students were losing that that fire uh, that she had seen. Even even in che- teaching the Gregorian chant, they were very assiduously. So I want to I want to draw a line here so we uh, where we understand because we've talked about Sister Wilhelmina. And and she could uh, she could wail a little bit. She could she could play the yes. organ or whatever. And she could sing at the top of her lungs and do yes. all these incredible things. But I think that maybe she was sensing there was a difference between like the music because I'm sure she probably loved folk music. She did. She did. And she had a whole list of what she called baptized spirituals. She okay. Would sing, she would sing songs and change the lyrics. So, for example, Go Down Moses was made into a hymn to the Blessed Sacrament, but she didn't sing it in church. That was kind there of was, the She drew a line exactly. there, and she saw, because she was seeing the effect of these kids and their experience of worship, right. or their lack of worship that would, was happening when they were, I, I, entertained might be the, a, a mean word. I don't want to be mean, but right. it's like they, they, she, was, she was experiencing something there on the front lines with these kids and how they were reacting yes. during worship to these songs. Yes. Well, these these were was this. I know it. And earlier in her uh, her religious life, she was teaching primarily uh, African American youth. Was that still the case at this point? Yes, yes. So she taught she taught African Americans all through her life. She was never in a mixed school as we would know it. And, and you know, once we get to the time of like the early '90s and stuff, people were talking about even creating like an African right and various other things like that. But that. That was not what was resounding with her at the time. Is that right. correct? And and I think I think she that is when she was starting to connect the dots, as we say, because she saw that the folk music was very quickly going in other directions. You know, then you have things like rock masses or uh, music where it would try to be, as they called it, an Afrocentric liturgy, which she was exposed to, and she said in the end. She said, we're, we're not reaching for our Christian roots anymore. We're reaching for the pre-Christian roots. Mm. And she saw that yeah. as being very damaging. Right. So, for example, the tribal roots of African Catholicism are not as kosher, if you will, as, as um, now what, how the Africans worship. Because we, we know a bishop in Africa who said, oh, no, they love the Latin because it's a, a unifying element mm. there. And that their traditional music has its place, but that's not necessarily directed toward our Lord in the Eucharist. It's it's for other times. I, I just I love like when when you use those expressions like where like the Latin actually unifies. Yes. So like again in Africa, and I'm not an I'm not an expert, but I do know that there are many many dialects and many many different sects of people and uh, so many different cultures there, and we all like wrongly assume that like everybody in Africa is unified and that's no it's not the case oh no no but and the Latin unifies right right so so what we were told is that when they have a conference amongst other dioceses well because there's so many dialects 
that's that's really their great blessing is when they can say the Mass in Latin because not only do they feel united to each other, they feel united to Rome, they feel united to their past. Right, and that's really a microcosm or a, a mini, and it's like a, a, a continent is bigger than many, but it's like, this is like, you see this in the church, right. the universal church, mm-hmm. and that experience of going like all these different, we have different rites, we have all these, uh, all this different religious garb, you know, and all these different orders and all these different people from all these different countries. And yet the thing that, that, that unifies us is Holy Mother Church, uh, you know, founded by Jesus Christ with this universal language of Latin. Yes. Uh, and that's and a lot of people don't realize that all the documents are promulgated in Latin, Latin. and then translated Into from there. Languages. And there's a, there's this practicality and there's this wisdom that comes to us. And Sister Wilhelmina kind of picked up on that. She did. She did. So yes. this this so this sentiment of hers of this very reverent, beautiful worship, um, the the Gregorian chant especially uh, in in the in the worship setting um, is is like. This is at the heart of of the Benedictines of Mary, right? Right, exactly. And so, tell us about how she just decided. It's like, okay, I want to. When most people are retiring, yes, right, and they're done, yes. and they're going to sit in the rocking chair in the convent or whatever, <laughs> right? She didn't do that. No, no, because once she really became aware of the need, she stepped up to the plate. She wasn't going to just roll over, and so when the opportunity came, she took it. And that was largely through the invitation of the Priestly Fraternity of St. Peter. They had met Sister Wilhelmina. The district superior said he saw in her a future foundress. And he saw that there was a need for traditional sisters. And she didn't say, I'm going to found me an order. She didn't wake up one morning and say, like, I think the next thing I want to do is found an order. No, no. She was invited into it by someone who recognized something, again, supernatural and beautiful about her. Yes, uh, yes, that was the case. Uh, she had made an attempt within her community to found a branch of it, but um, too many of the sisters who were supporting her were, were getting on in years. Yeah. So once that opportunity came, she took it. And then it was a bit of a change because she was moving out of a convent where sisters were aging and into a situation where she was welcoming very young vocations. Wow. I, I myself was 19 when I joined. I had just recently turned 19. And I was one of the first vocations to persevere within the community. Uh, Sister Manuel, who's my senior, was 24. So she was even being cared for by, you know, say 17-year-olds before she, she passed away. So, so wow. there was a, a gap there. Uh, Mother Agnes of the Sisters of Life met Sister Wilmina. And when, she, when Sister Wilmina left through, Mother Agnes said to all of us, no, sisters, thank God for her. Thank God for her, because having started a community, we were young, we were enthusiastic, we didn't quite see where things were headed. She said, Sister Wilhelmina will always be here to remind you how this is going to turn out, how you're going to age, how you're going to mature in religious life. Because when you're young and peppy, you're not always thinking about when you're going to decline and prepare to meet the Lord. And she said, she will be there to remind you. And she has so much experience from which she can draw. But Sister Scholastica, you you were a, but you you were drawn to something, and I don't know that you knew all of the political angles. No. I don't know that you were aware of all, that, but there was something about that as a, as a young vocation um, that drew you there. Was it Sister Wilhelmina? Was it uh, what she was doing? What was it? Because you're you've been there since pretty much the beginning. It's true. So I I went to the Latin Mass for the first time as part of a Latin class field trip. Okay. It wasn't, uh, you know, that I was driven there or something like that. But having experienced the beauty, 
my brother and I felt we had to go back. So we, we went back as a family. And when I was at the parish of Old St. Mary's, the parishioner said to me, oh, there, there's this little black sister who used to attend mass here, and she just went to start a new community. Maybe you should look into it. So that's what got me corresponding with the community and then eventually joining it. But being at Old St. Mary's and going to the Latin mass there, I realized I was becoming part of something much bigger than myself. Mm. Because not only was I at the mass, which at which all the angels and saints are present, but I was connecting to many, many centuries of worship that had come before me. See, that's what's beautiful about this. Because, like, when you go and if you if you go to Rome and you go to St. Peter's Basilica and the, and the Pope is doing a mass, and I've, I've been to like some of these big, beautiful masses with uh, Pope St. John Paul II and mm. things like that. It's just it's it's marvelous, and you feel like you're part of something. But all of a sudden, at the same time, because of the language. Uh, and because of the the what's happening there, you feel connected yes. to everything and everyone, past, present, and then really looking at the future, going, yes. "This is this is the this is the tr- the church. Right. Like, this is where I need to be." And it's a unifying, beautiful thing. And you were experiencing that, like in a small way, but in a very big way. No, it's true. And I remember thinking that when I was kneeling in the pew there, thinking, "This is a small church, relatively speaking. I'm not in St. Peter's Basilica here." Right. But I feel connected right now to St. Benedict himself, and that, and he died in, what, 547? Yeah. So, and I remember thinking specifically of St. Benedict and thinking, wow, this, this was his mass. And essentially, it, it was. And uh, that really got me thinking, especially in, in terms of joining Sister Wilhelmina, because the Benedictine, what do they say, the Benedict option, yeah. <laughs> it, it goes back and it's very effective. And it's putting God and the altar at the center of your, center of your life. And then that orders all of the life around you, mm. from the monastery to the world outside. That's what civilized Europe. Speaking of the world outside, you know, when you, when you all moved into Gower, Missouri, you know, with this, this it's a new order, and you show up here, um, I'm sure you were welcomed with open arms. Well. <laughs> <laughs> welcome, to, welcome to the world, right? And, yes. and the gospel, which is never, uh, it's not always accepted. Right, <laughs> right, right. And there's people that see Catholicism as this sort of like mystery, weird religion, and they don't understand, and there's... There's some off-putting that happens sometimes. Yes, yes. and I'm sure there were some lovely people here, too. Oh, though. yes, indeed. And we've, we've really experienced both ends of the spectrum. But we did we did have an incident with uh, shooting, actually multiple incidents, uh, not unlike Mother Angelica, who I understand also had yeah. similar yeah. <laughs> episodes during her life when she was first uh, getting the monastery off the ground. So, yes, we did, we did have a few episodes of shootings. At okay, so I saw, like... The door to this yes, place has, has a bullet, bullet hole, hole in it. In yes, it. yes. I, I just, and that's like we laugh about it now. I know it was probably scary, but it just—it's a sign that uh, you know, Sister Willamie would say, "Well, this is this is what happens. Yes, be ready. It's well." And, and one of the bullets went into your mother Abbas's bedroom, yes. and she just went. She saw she went, it. And she went back, back to, sleep. to sleep. Yes. <laughs> well, all that said, it's been a, it's been great that you've that you've been here. I know that you know because again. The, the, the vocations are, are beautiful. And now mm-hmm. with Sister Wilhelmina, there's this, this sort of new thing has opened up where you're getting so many more 
visits. There are people who are deciding they want to actually live in Gower, Missouri or yes. in their surrounding areas. Mm-hmm. What's that like now? Well, it is, it is a bit different. But on the other hand, I, I think back to the effect of St. Benedict on his society. And I think Sister Wilmina would be very pleased by that because the Vikings didn't just stop attacking because they ran out of things to loot. You know, right. it was, or uh, you, we get these ideas of St. Boniface chopping down the tree that, right. that the Norsemen used to, used to worship. And St. Boniface did that. He used to preach, but everywhere he went, he established a monastery. And mm. that, was, that was the evangelization of Europe. You had to preach the gospel, but it also had to be lived in order for it to take root. The Catholic Church, we were the original church planters. Yes. Really were. <laughs> I mean, it's like, it's just, it's really beautiful to see uh, the effect. I mean, because the surrounding area, it's beautiful here. And, and, and uh, just when you, when you come up through the gate, it's just a beautiful experience. Mm-hmm. And I just invite people uh, just to come and see, mm-hmm. right? And 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 literally come and see Sister Wilhelmina, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And uh, just who knows what's going to happen. But if you want to find out more information uh, about the um, uh, the Benedictines of Mary, Queen of Apostles, you can go to benedictinesofmary.org and find out. Find out about Sister Wilhelmina. Find out about visiting and all the things here. Uh, and it's been an amazing journey so far. And, uh, you know, I, th- I think you said you were 19 when you kind of got yes. started or whatever. And mm-hmm. it, it, so you've been here a year, obviously, looking at the youthful <laughs> face in front of me. So you have many years to come. There's lots of, uh, <laughs> lots of, lots of, uh, lots of future here. Mm-hmm. And that's wonderful. Thanks yes. to Sister Wilhelmina, right? I mean, yes. just for all of that. And just your presence here uh, has just really been an abiding uh, a gift to the area, even if it's not been received by some. Yes, and... and- I have to say, you know, we did have those unfortunate incidents, but on the other hand, we have had so much support yeah, and, and such, such charity shown to us. Many of our neighbors are not Catholic, right? Uh, but it, nevertheless, there's just been a lot, a lot of good. Well, people are showing up and being part of this and they're not Catholic, right? It's just interesting to see that. Yes, yes. Uh, and that's a very, uh, there's some stories we don't have time to tell. Uh, and maybe we can tell them in our next show, but it's like, it's, it's really in, um, encouraging to see again that unification that's happening yes and that's sister wilhelmina yes. including from uh, african-american visitors who yes. are not catholic yes, they yes. see her as their sister mm-hmm. and that, yeah. yeah so yeah so we had we had a huge number of african-american catholics come many of whom are not catholic one was stopped in line and, and asked where they went to church and said oh we're not catholic but yeah. we, we came to see our sister so the miracles continue, yes. right? And the, the miracle of conversion is, is a beautiful miracle, not necessarily a public one, but when you can start to see all these hearts being changed and they're living uh, lives closer to Jesus, that's an amazingly beautiful thing. Yes. So we and thank Sister Wilhelmina for that. Sister Scholastica, we thank you for being here with us again, and you're still going to stay with us. And oh, we're gonna absolutely. Do some more. So I stay am. tuned. we got a couple more shows that we're going to do. They're going to... Uh, so talk about some of this really exciting stuff that's been happening here lately. So with that, let's ask the Blessed Mother to, be, to watch over us and continue to watch over us on this journey. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and in the hour of our death. Amen. Thanks for listening to The Catholic Cafe. If you'd like to contact Deacon Jeff, send him an email at deaconjeff at thecatholiccafe.com. Visit us on the web at thecatholiccafe.com. You can also find us on iTunes or follow us on Facebook and Twitter. 
The Catholic Cafe is brought to you by the Order of Malta Federal Association. Join us again at the Catholic Cafe, serving up salvation one cup of coffee at a time.